Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Today we're going to talk about the Catholic Church's massive credibility problem and what we can do about it. Look, you're angry, I'm angry, we're all angry. Catholics are angry all over the world, and they've got a right to be. The church is riddled with scandal. The latest scandal, of course, is the revelation that a homosexual network has infiltrated the priesthood. Prior to this scandal, 6.5 people were already leaving the church for every one person who became a Catholic. We don't know what that statistic is since the scandal broke, but we can all definitely see a decrease in attendance and collections in our parishes. The biggest challenge facing the church is our leadership. The bark of St. Peter is adrift, with nobody having been at the helm for a long time. Pope Francis hasn't been doing his job, and that's apparent to everyone. When he first became Pope, his approval rating was over 80%. His approval rating now is below 30%, and there are a number of reasons for this. To begin, Francis is in open heresy. His first heresy was to change the Catechism of the Catholic Church about capital punishment, claiming this change was a legitimate development of doctrine. But there can't be a legitimate development of doctrine on this, because what the Catechism of the Catholic Church said before the change was the constant 2,000-year teaching of the Church finding its basis in God's own words in the Old Testament of the Bible. Look, I'm no fan of the use of capital punishment. Never have been. But there's no denying that the state has the right to impose it on serious crimes such as murder and treason. Pope Francis' second heresy was his declaration that God wills pluralism in religion. In other words, he contends that God wills that one religion is just as good as another. This is called the heresy of indifferentism by theologians. The Catholic Church has always taught that the church established by Christ is the one true religion because it was established by God himself. It's not on equal par with, say, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, or New Age spirituality, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church makes that clear. The homosexual network in the priesthood and Francis' tepid response isn't the only leadership challenge we face. There's also the problem of our bishops in this country. They seem much more concerned with their Episcopal careers than being shepherds of souls, and some of them have even been guilty of covering up for some of those homosexual priests. Let me interject something here real quick, though. Not all of our bishops are more concerned with their Episcopal careers than being shepherds of souls. Some of them, such as Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, are very good men. And this bishop in particular, as well as some of the others, care very much about being shepherd to souls. We may not always agree with how they choose to deal with a particular situation, but our eyes and ears tell us that men like Bishop Strickland have our eternal interests at heart. However, the body representing our bishops, the USCCB, betrays Christ and his people all the time. They uniformly decide what's going to be done in every diocese to deal with any given problem, whether that proposed solution is good for an individual diocese or not. 
They also take our money, money we give, and give it to organizations in the form of grants. And these organizations are those that promote abortion, artificial contraception, and illegal immigration. No wonder the Catholic Church has zero credibility these days. So how should we as lay people respond? Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. What did Billy D. Williams... The celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross. Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. So, how do we respond to all the problems in the church today? A lot of people told me they're just quitting altogether. Other people told me they're changing over to a Protestant religion. But that would be the wrong way to go in either case. The proper response is to stay faithful to Jesus Christ and not be influenced by the scandals and lack of leadership in the church. Here's why. Presumably, if you're a Catholic, you believe that Jesus is the second person of the Blessed Trinity or God himself. Now, if Jesus is God, and if he established a church, then reason dictates we have an obligation to belong to that church. Christianity Today says there are over 40,000 Christian religions today, so the trick is to make sure that the Catholic Church is the right one. The first thing to be done is to prove the need for a church, because all of them claim to be led by the Holy Spirit. To the best of my knowledge, all Christian religions at least give lip service to the idea of baptism being life-changing. However, Southern Baptists, for example, claim that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Rather, they claim it's merely an ordinance to be observed. You'd think that Southern Baptists, because their name is Baptist, would put a lot of emphasis on baptism, but they don't. The Church of Christ claims Baptism is necessary for salvation, but they don't believe it has an actual effect on the soul, and both believe baptism can only be done with full immersion. Catholics, on the other hand, say that baptism is absolutely necessary for salvation, it can be done by pouring as well as immersion, and that it has a changing effect on the soul, that it has an indelible character it imprints on the soul that essentially marks God as the owner of that soul. You know, it's sort of like a spiritual tattoo. Yet all three claim to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know what, though? That's not possible. The reality is only one, if any of those three, only one can be led by the Holy Spirit because God can't contradict himself that would mean he's not perfect, and therefore he wouldn't be God. Yet all three of these theologies contradict each other. It's usually at this stage, whenever somebody says to me, well, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. That's got to be about the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard a human being make. Look, truth is immutable. What is true for you in order to be true 
must necessarily also be true to me. Something that isn't true can be proven not to be true, and something true can be proven to be true. For example, 1 plus 1 equals 2, right? Adding 1 to any integer produces the next highest integer. That's a truth. And the very definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. 1 plus 1 can't possibly equal 3. Yet there are people who are willing to believe that. In fact, <laughs> I actually read where some teachers are teaching in school that that sort of thing can be done. But your subjective opinion that a thing is true doesn't necessarily comport to objective reality. When seeking truth, we have to put our subjective emotions in our pockets and go only with objective reality. You know, sort of like being Mr. Spock on Star Trek. To demonstrate that Jesus founded the Catholic Church, we need first to take a look at Scripture, specifically Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Here's what it says. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow, this is an incredibly pregnant passage. From this passage, we can prove the papacy, infallibility, and indefectibility, but we only want to focus on one thing. Clearly, this passage demonstrates Jesus established a church. History alone proves that there was no Christian religion except the Catholic Church until the year 1517, and it was already called Catholic by the end of the first century, as we see in a patristical letter from St. Ignatius in the year 107. Since we can establish that Jesus founded the Church, and we can establish that the Church he founded was the Catholic Church from patristics, let's see what the Church teaches about herself. Let's take a look at the Vatican II document called Lumen Gentium, the 14th paragraph specifically. Basing itself on scripture and tradition, the council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is the mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism, and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church which men entered through baptism is through a door. Hence, they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. All right, so if Jesus is God, which I can prove, although we don't have time here, and if he founded a church, which can also be proven, and that church is the Catholic church, which I can prove, then to leave the church is to condemn ourselves to eternal damnation. So if we can't leave the church, what do we do? 
Well, we need to be aware that it was the laity who saved the church in the 4th century from a similar situation. And you know what? We can do it again. The first thing we have to do is develop a prayer life, which is necessary for spiritual battle. And believe me, this is a spiritual battle. Second, you need to write letters to your bishop. Tell him you have a right to the purity of the Catholic faith as given to us by Jesus and his apostles. Tell him there are consequences for both his actions and inactions. Follow up these letters with phone calls to the bishop, chancellor, and vicar. Since bishops seem to only understand money, stop giving to all Catholic concerns. The Vatican, your diocese, your parish. Tell the bishop at every opportunity that you absolutely refuse to support the church in any way until he makes actionable moves to get rid of homosexual priests and heterodoxy in your diocese and begins to shepherd the laity with the orthodoxy we have a right to receive. This is the only way to change things from a lay level. But St. Augustine told us this sort of action is acceptable when souls and the faith are in jeopardy. Now, remember one thing, though. Whenever you approach your bishop, do so respectfully. Apart from the fact that you're not going to catch very many flies with vinegar, it's just the right thing to do. Parts of this may have caused some of you to have a lot of questions. If so, contact me at cantankerouscatholic.com or joesixpackanswers.com to ask them. You may also want to learn more about the existence of God, the papacy, infallibility, indefectibility, or other topics about the divine nature of the church. You can contact me if you want an episode about any of these things by visiting, once again, cantankerouscatholic.com or joesixpackanswers.com. Can you see yourself making converts? Very few books have ever been written to teach the mechanics of practical Catholic evangelization, something all Catholics are obliged to do. Of the books available, none teach you a step-by-step method for actually cultivating an inquirer, then taking that inquirer all the way to the baptismal font. Until now, nobody is more qualified to teach Catholic evangelization than Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Joe Sixpack has made hundreds of converts since 1988 in small group and one-on-one venues, and 84 of them are his adult godchildren. Consequently, Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, is a virtual treasure trove of how-to resources for evangelization. In the Lay Evangelist's Handbook, Joe Sixpack will show you how to become one of God's rock stars of evangelization, what the two primary obligations are for all Catholics that most people don't know how to begin the journey to becoming a saint, the actual mechanics of productive evangelization, the dangers of nice Catholicism, how to hear God laugh, what to do step-by-step to win over a convert, and much, much more. Get your copy of the Lay Evangelist's Handbook by Joe Sixpack, The Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Only a fool believes the Catholic Church isn't in shambles. Christ's Church is full of scandal. Our current pontiff is in blatant heresy, and the laity live in a perpetual state of confusion. But there's hope. 
There are still a handful of bishops we can count on for orthodox leadership, priests who love and work for souls, and laity-led apostolates that serve divinely revealed truth in every way imaginable. We want to do a great service for you by telling you about them in every episode. So here's today's Catholic Contribution. The person who is the focus of this Catholic Contributions is Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. I've known Cardinal Burke for many years. Cardinal Burke is the most outspoken defender of the faith and critic of the difficulties and confusion in the church of anyone in the College of Cardinals. He was born in 1948, ordained as a priest by Pope St. Paul VI in 1975, and elevated to the episcopacy and ordained in 1995 by Pope St. John Paul II. He served for almost nine years as the Bishop of La Crosse, Wisconsin, where he founded the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and then he served another four years as Archbishop of St. Louis. He was named a Cardinal in 2010 by Pope Benedict XVI. Cardinal Burke has written and spoken widely on Roman Catholic canon law, of which he's an expert, the Holy Eucharist, devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and the sanctity of human life. He's a member of the Supreme Tribunal of the Apostolic Signatura, the Church's highest court. This great son of the Catholic Church is a true leader and very saintly bishop. By the way, I was at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe with Cardinal Burke a few years ago. My best description of this place he built is to call it the anteroom of heaven. If you ever get the chance, you should visit the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. You can also attend guided retreats there. Some of you may have doubts based on what we've talked about here. You may have some doubts about whether or not Jesus is God. Or you may have doubts about the infallibility of the church or the papacy. Whatever your doubts may be. If you decide that you'd like for me to do a show proving that Jesus is God or proving the infallibility of the church or proving the papacy, just reach out to me and tell me that you want me to do a show like that. I'll be happy to oblige. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A little girl was playing quietly with her toys in her mother's sewing room while her mother sewed. Suddenly, the little girl jumped up, ran to her mother, then threw her arms around the woman's neck and kissed her. She whispered into her mother's ear, Mommy, I love you. Smiling at her daughter, the mother asked, Why do you love me, sweetie? As tears welled in the little girl's eyes, she replied, Because you loved me when I was too little to love you back. This is a simple story, and one actually more suited to children, but it makes a very good point. You didn't make yourself, God made you. Certainly our parents helped God create our bodies, but he alone created the most important part, part that makes us human and who we are. That part is your soul. God creates your soul as unique and new, as a coin freshly minted of precious metal. This means he loved you before you were anything at all. 
Now, God could have made millions of other possible people, but he lovingly handcrafted you. You're unique, and God's given you many natural gifts and talents. But you can only discover those gifts and talents if you ask him to show them to you. That begins with frequent and regular prayer. But before you can begin to have a fruitful prayer life, you first have to be like the little girl telling God, you loved me when I was too little to love you back. In our next episode, we're going to talk about how Catholics should respond to the border wall. I'll see you next time, Six Packers, and remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.